Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And it's time for your weekly update on all the royal news you need to know. First, a couple of royal reminders before we dive in. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. You can also join our Facebook group at Royally Obsessed and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a royal rating and send us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. Bowie, I am so excited to dive in this week because we have so much to talk about. We always say that every time. but We have so much, but this week really takes the royal cake for me. I'm... So excited for the episode, and I'm overwhelmed at how much how much there is to talk about. Finding freedom. I mean, what a weekend. When we saw that that was released, I mean, Roberta, I was texting you nonstop. I was just like, wait, what is happening? We thought it was August 11th. We're getting this like sneak peek via the serialized excerpts. It's been a whirlwind. But OK, so let's let's hold off because that's going to be a huge section. We'll do a deep dive. But... We have a lot of other things as well. Roros, a lot coming up. Let's get real. The bulk of this episode is obviously about the serialized excerpts from Finding Freedom by Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durand, which were published over the weekend in the Times UK. But we're also discussing the biggest revelations and how we feel about them. But that's not all. We've got the Cambridge's donation to COVID relief, the Queen's virtual portrait unveiling, including the flaw she pointed out, and so much more. And royals wearing masks, always. <laughs> of course. Of Sneak course. Peek. You don't want to spoil coming it. Coming yeah, up. Sorry. But first, of course, we always have time for a drink, so our royal refreshment. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Cheers! Cheers. <laughs> we actually made a cocktail this time, you guys. We'll be proud, and we're using Hendrix Gin, and it's a cucumber spritz, which is super refreshing for summer. Yeah, it's very refreshing. I'm really liking it. I'm drinking it a little too fast. But that yeah. might be the episode <laughs> contents I'm getting ready yeah. for. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it's just gin, sparkling wine, soda, cucumber, garnish. But we will also be taking shots of Hendrix for every major revelation from Finding Freedom A that we talk about. A wee little suggestion from our producers. So get ready, guys. <laughs> and you can you can do the same. Follow along. Take a shot for every major revelation. It's because classy. There's so much, so much to unpack with this, uh, these excerpts. So things will get interesting. I'm very excited. And then we have a lovely recent thread from the Royally Obsessed Facebook group. Molly asked, so after the chat on this week's pod about Bee's wedding being the last major royal wedding for a while, who do you think will be the next to wed? Lady Louise, the Chato boys, as someone whose first royal wedding was Will and Kate's, I'm hooked. When will my next fix be such a good question that is Molly. a great way to phrase that question <laughs> yeah and there were a ton of comments one of my favorites was from rachel she said i think almost better than a wedding disclaimer after real horrible loss happens we will have a coronation to witness which will be spectacular you're so right that is and it may be two coronations obviously that comes with like an asterisk of sadness and an event you know before that but Super exciting to think that that might happen in our lifetime. With how long Queen Elizabeth has reigned, I mean, it really 
we that was not a part of our lifetime to see a coronation. So it would be pretty incredible to witness just the pomp and circumstance behind all of that. Exactly. Also very sad, of course, but kind of exciting stuff. And then also maybe a Peter Phillips remarriage. I mean, I know. Yeah, that was thrown out there. That's not a bad idea. I will say I did a little exploration about the Chato boys. I was just curious. You know, I wasn't as familiar. And Sam and Arthur, you got to follow them on Instagram if you're not already. You should scroll back. They post from when Harry and Meghan got married and they just are so overjoyed. I just kind of loved going down memory lane. And they're also just so interesting. They're different interests um, and hobbies. And is interesting code word for good looking because they are both. (laughs) Very good looking. <laughs> is that weird to say? They're like 24. No. I mean, <laughs> the Hendrix is already talking. <laughs> I love it. Um, also, we saw today Lady Amelia Spencer, whose first cousin to William and Harry is engaged now. So that could be a big one. That could be something that like maybe William and Harry would attend. Who knows? And hopefully they schedule it for post-COVID so it can be a big family reunion. Exactly. Yeah. Princess Diana's niece. So that's super, super exciting. Thank Loved you, Loved that for- thread. Yeah. Uh, well, so this week in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. TBT to July 29th, 1981, the day that Prince Charles and Princess Diana were married at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. It was a major break from royal tradition, as you'll recall, in front of 2,650 guests, too. We have a clip to play of her saying her vows. I, Diana Francis. I, Diana Francis. Take thee, Charles Philip Arthur George. Take thee, Philip Charles Arthur George. So real. (laughs) The stress. It's, you know, only a billion people watching. Of course, it makes sense that she might transpose the names or kind of have that moment. Um, As a reminder, she walked down the aisle wearing a taffeta wedding gown by David and Elizabeth Emanuel, and her train was 25 feet long. She also wore the Spencer Tiara from her own family's collection, and the wedding cost $48 million, but... In 1981, that actually would be $110 million today. So unreal. (laughs) Unreal. Scale. And compare that to Princess Beatrice's wedding, like, wow. Low key, glamping pods. Chill. Um, I will say one of my favorite parts is forever that Diana omitted the word obey from her wedding vows. And that was, she was the first royal to actually do that. And then Kate and William followed suit as um, the royal wedding that came after. And even the Dean of Westminster applauded Diana for her efforts at the time to modernize the vows. I love that. And also that uh, William and Kate followed suit with the balcony kiss. So that really wasn't a tradition before uh, Diana and Charles. And actually, it's because they forgot to kiss after they said their vows and at the end of the ceremony. And so it was like this whole big thing. They had jitters and I guess forgot. And so then they kissed on the balcony and... A royal tradition was born. Yeah, it's one of the most iconic weddings ever, not just royal, even if it did end in divorce in 1992. And what I thought was, you know, it's looking back, you know, Prince Charles supposedly cried the night before because he was that conflicted over his love of Camilla. I saw something else that said in a documentary, um, Diana recalled that day and said it was the worst day of her life. So they both just like kind of knew, it seems, you know, maybe didn't know, but had misgivings. Right, exactly. Had cold feet. I will give a recommendation to head over to YouTube only because you can see that engagement ring glittering in the it, even in the you know sign of sort of grainy quality video. It's a worthwhile watch. It's it's uh you know and it's that short. It's well edited. So sapphire ring. Oh, that's now on Kate's finger. So beautiful. All right. So this week's news. So our first news bullet. Of course, we have to dive into all the Finding Freedom book excerpts. Bowie and I are going to go through these as we promised. We will take a half shot. So I guess we should do, should we start it off with a shot? Yeah, let's start off with a shot. All right, cheers. We're (laughs) taking a little. 
Mm. Oh, man. (laughs) A little bit more intense than the regular cocktail. (laughs) Shots of gin are highly recommended. Highly recommended. But wait, Roberta, were you so stunned that this came out over the weekend? I had no idea. Oh, I had no idea. So I woke up to Twitter alerts and had all of these notifications and was reading through. And I was like, wait, is the book leaked online? That's what I assumed that it had leaked. And now... I guess they're serializing the first part of it. So we're going to dive in kind of um, by excerpt. So um, it seems like the Times released about four excerpts and then an interview with the author. So one of the first ones was about the courtship um, or it covers, you know, the first part of their relationship. We have to say I was surprised that their first date, Megan drank a martini, not red wine. Yeah, it's Soho House. I feel like we've been going on the impression that her favorite drink is red wine. But according to Omid and Carolyn, that's not what she ordered when she first sat down with Harry, who ordered a beer. I thought that was a pretty big revelation. (laughs) It was. It was. I thought so, too. Also, just that they was such a whirlwind romance. Like it talks about Harry just being like swept off his feet. Um, It was so fast. I can't believe that the Botswana trip was one month in. I guess we probably kind of already knew the timeline around that. But it's just crazy that they met in July and went in August. So really only their third date was to Botswana. I know he was so smitten and they both were. I mean, I think they were both caught by surprise at how much they fell in love, according to the book. Exactly. And the quote before they were forced to go public about their relationship, of it says, of course, Megan couldn't really understand what it would mean to be famous on the level Harry had been for his entire life. Yeah, that really stood out to me just because I feel like we talked about it on a recent episode of the pod. Just basically, you know, Diana had a similar experience where the night before she her engagement was announced she basically was not at all prepared for what was to come with everything you know the the press attention the media hype everything you know she's completely surrounded and i think that you know the night before megan actually was you know they were forced to reveal their relationship because tabloids got wind of it mm-hmm. it just seems like she really wasn't she was nervous to do it because she liked the bubble that they had of 6 months together but right. then her life was completely blown up overnight. And I think it seems like Harry after that really spent a lot of time trying to protect her from how horrible and merciless the media attention is. Yeah, it seems like the media war, I guess, with the Sussexes is is what you can call it, started very early. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone snuck into Megan's backyard and was waiting and she had for to call her the police, right? Yeah, it was just like super. And I think that one of the things that really stood out to me about all of this was that It crossed the line at such an early point because of the way it targeted her parents, which um, we can we will get into the Thomas Markle stuff a little bit later. But they took pictures of Doria and it was before I think that the relationship blew up. I think it was Doria was going to the laundromat and they published these pictures and Megan just felt like that was such a violation of her personal space and privacy and her family being in the tabloids. And they really constructed a narrative around her coming from a, you know, less That's than right. yeah. the royal family expectations. You know, they made like it a rough part, a of rough part of town. LA. Or, yeah. And I think that, I mean, it was com- a complete construction and I think how violated she must have felt through all of that as anyone would feel to see your family totally. splash around like that. Totally. And it wasn't just the media who was, you know, um, very critical of the relationship. It was also some of their close friends. So Harry kind of unfriended a close friend of his over comments that he made to someone else um, is what, you know, Omid and Carolyn allege in the book. So I think that that's really telling of how protective Harry was from the get go and how 
you know, he he would not tolerate any sort of underlying racism whatsoever, even from a close friend that he had known for, you know, however long in his life. Yeah. So imagine what, you know, if that's how he felt with a close relationship, what the media would, you know, it, just the anger and and hostility he felt towards them with what was going on. Yeah. I And, and then one last thing about this section, this excerpt is the revealing of his Instagram <laughs> handle. Harry's secret Instagram handle was at spiky mal five, which is a call to dead dead mal five. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> I don't know either, Roberta. I I know that Spike Wells was his secret Facebook account, but this is his supposedly his secret Instagram handle. Now, I have checked it, and it is only following two people now. It was following four before when this excerpt was written. And it's <laughs> I love that the bio says, not Prince Harry. It's like, <laughs> of course, Prince Harry would say that. Of course bio. he would, yes. <laughs> so um, cheeky. I know. I'm wondering if it is really or if it, it's just, a, you know, an assumption from the authors. Who knows? But I thought that that was so funny because he could keep track of the subtle flirtation that Megan was giving him. She posted like a little love hearts um, post after one of their first dates. And and I think that that's kind of, um, you know, they they both knew they were into each other. I know. I like. totally agree. I feel like you want to be able to lurk even if you're not allowed to publicly be on Instagram. I mean, he wants that access. She was so, you know, involved and in- present on Instagram and so yeah. good at it too before yeah. this an whole... entrepreneur on yeah so it's a great yeah. way I feel like to to keep tabs and and I love that he was he was on there totally covert Lurking. identity yes yes all right <laughs> we have another shot to take Bowie Woo! cheers cheers this, is not, this might go down a little easier <laughs> I didn't even have that big of a lunch Roberta all right oh gosh well. I know I'm in trouble I'm gonna have a little. I'm gonna wash it down with my cocktail though, because it's yeah, Sam. Gin just burns a little. I, I need like <laughs> I need to practice taking shots. No, I, I feel good about this. Did I mention that I had to print out all these excerpts? So if you hear me rustling pages, that's what it is. I just like there was so much. I read it like seven times. I just needed to to go <laughs> through. Preparing her doctoral thesis on what do we say? it's like a <laughs> uh, yeah, the WikiLeaks book. of the royal family right now. It feels yes, like. <laughs> it really is. It's the WikiLeaks. All right, so next up. William, William and oh oh oh, this is a bad sign. I can't even <laughs> pronounce names. William and Kate and Harry and Megan. Dun dun dun. So a lot was unveiled, revealed um, from these excerpts, alluding to the Fab Four and how not so fab it was. So it sounds like there really wasn't. This is the bright spot. There really wasn't a feud between Megan and Kate. Yeah. It was a distant politeness, um, you know, that kind of just manifested itself because they didn't know each other that well and yeah. they didn't really try to get to know each other and it's not just that Kate didn't get to know Megan I really think that it was both sides just didn't it seems like Megan didn't really do anything about it either Kate was kind of aloof but also like Megan was just expecting her to show her the ropes didn't really go out on a limb to ask I don't know that's how I pictured it what do you think yeah it seems like they just didn't totally click it seems that way totally I do think that what came before kind of did underscore their relationship where what the let's talk about the conversation that William and Harry had where he said this girl yeah so that was a huge um part of this excerpt was that William called Megan this girl to Harry and kind of undermining the fact that can we find the exact quote so William told Harry don't feel you need to rush this take as much time as you need to get to know this girl and that was what really kind of ruffled ruffled Harry's feathers you know I feel like it just he felt like it was very cavalier about the woman that he was head over heels in love with very Mm -hmm. quickly it was a rapid courtship but I think that that really set off the distance and what 
I found interesting in Omid and Carolyn's take was just that, you know, Kate was it it was and is intensely loyal to William. So I can understand if if there was some sort of is it discord, you know, between the two. I yeah. think that then, you know, if there wasn't a chance of them coming together as a friendship, maybe they divided. I'm not saying that very eloquently. But. No, no, no. I, I And you're totally right. And I want to read the next part of that quote, too, because it's so telling. It says, in those last two words, this girl, Harry, heard the tone of snobbishness. Um, and then during his 10-year career in the military, outside the royal bubble, he had learned not to make snap judgments about people based on their accent, education, ethnicity, class, or profession. So this really set Harry off. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other parts that say that courtiers called Meghan Harry's showgirl. Um, it just seems like there was just not a lot of acceptance there. But I do want to reference because, you know, Omid did give an interview with the with the UK Times as well. And I, I think that the implication that William was acting as a snob, I really think Omid made it clear that William was very good intentioned. But the difference is, and this is called out a lot in the book, is potentially that William tends to be a little bit more calm and rational. And Harry is a little bit more fiery and hot-headed. And that's okay. It's just a personality difference. I don't think Omid was clear that he didn't feel that this was rooted, the snob remark was rooted in unconscious bias. I'm just quoting Omid there. But um, but I do think Harry took deep offense to it. Took deep offense. And also um, a longtime family friend, Omid quotes as saying, Harry has a heart of gold, but he's incredibly sensitive. So I think that that just plays into how he kind of viewed his older brother saying that about someone he truly felt like he was in love with and he was in love with. So like, I think that that's what really set him over the edge and, and what seems like from this book started the feud between the brothers. Yeah, because from there, they kind of just kept their distance. It was like the what I thought was interesting is that, as we know, the houses really operate independent from each other. And so they didn't have to cross paths. And it sounds like they just, you know, they did what they had to do, but they didn't go out of their way to make that effort, which was incredibly sad. And one other thing that I do want to read that I thought was really interesting was um, this sort of diversion was or distance between the brothers. It was a far cry from how Harry had envisioned his future. The younger prince once told a friend that he had he had an image of getting married and spending time with William and Kate, the two couples together, their children best friends. So just speaking from Harry's perspective, I also see how frustrating that would be and, and potentially condescending from from William, which I think is where the snob comment comes in. I mean, I'm an oldest in the family and I try really hard to understand the, the perspective of the youngest too, because I think that, yeah. y- you know, it's hard. I'm the One youngest, little comment. I feel like, yeah. 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 I feel like it is, it's it probably was, it felt so condescending to hear William say that when he's always, you know, kind of been the older brother in the spotlight. He's the line of succession. Like, I think that that he's done everything have, right. You know, I right, feel like to have his approval. I think Harry just really wanted that. And, and even if the relationship felt rushed, like just trust that Harry knew what was best for him. And it just, I don't know. So. And I think that's where I relate to it so much as you could see William's good intentions, but you can yeah. also see how Harry really took them the wrong way. Exactly. And I thought one last point about this, I thought it was so interesting that the wedding dress fitting meltdown that we've heard over the years so many times actually never really happened. That was so fascinating to me. I It's crazy because it's widely reported that that Kate left this fitting sobbing because of something with Princess Charlotte and the fitting, not wearing tights, whatever, and or pantyhose. And it just it just didn't happen. Uh, close friend said that they both acted professionally in the room there was no tears there was you know tensions because any kind of wedding dress fitting is pretty stressful and when there's kids involved there's a lot of you know ruckus and 
crazy chaos going around, but nothing like what was described. So I think that that just shows, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. Well, and also from the Omid interview, that something that stood out for me, that one word, not the book, but his interview with the Times was that he talks about the strategy behind the, some of these rumors where it's like, you know, one of the houses, say like Clarence House, might have a piece of news that they don't want to be front page bubbling up. So one yeah. of their aides will leak a little detail that then becomes the front page news. They kind of all work against each other. And that's an encouraged role since no one actually defends um, or the palace never makes statements. So they're in this protected right. bubble. I just think that that side of it is really interesting. And sometimes it's to cover the strategy behind us, like cover up something that's going to come out. Like, let's say, for example, about Prince Andrew and mm-hmm. all of the scandal surrounding that. It's like just to kind of throw everyone off the scent, there's something else that is leaked. And so it, it really, it's crazy how much palace aides and courtiers play into all of this kind of media drama but all right so we need to move on another half shot Bowie. we're already <laughs> getting into it i am like <laughs> cheers i can't keep up but it tastes i just good. took a tiny sip I yeah just a, tiny a tiny sip, sip. for that one <laughs> it burns so next excerpt the royal wedding and thomas markle this to me was the most heartbreaking of all of them yeah this read like a i mean we talked about this just like a really gut-wrenching novel or something you know you just feel sick about it I mean the last line I can't sit up all night just pressing send Megan told one of our friends so like just absolutely heartbreaking um but we do get a lot of information about the whole situation with Thomas Markle which I really thought was helpful because it did kind of give us more of a background and timeline I was confused about you know when were those pictures staged what what was you know they even Omid and Carolyn go so far as to name, you know, the person responsible for all of that. Um, yeah, I'm actually, you mentioned the timeline. I'm curious if those will be in the book because they're really helpful. You you had kind of flagged that to me to make sure I looked at those. And I, I think that you're right. I hope that that is in the book because it looks like it's it's a graphic that um, that might be, you know, created by the authors to show, you know, where all these events fall, fall into place. But, um, but yeah, so it just, the book really shows how heartbreaking that whole situation was with Thomas Markle. Um, one of the quotes, you've got a woman marrying a prince and the father is 5,000 miles away and just not playing ball and not only not playing ball, but he's up to silly games, AKA the staged photos, the nonsensical statements, um, her, whatever half sister Samantha getting involved. Um, but and the big cashing in, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Cashing in on, a th- I think they said 30% of 130,000. So for those photos alone, you 40, don't know what 40,000 yeah. more. Yeah. So just absolutely crazy. And then the biggest revelation is just how much Megan tried to reach out um, to him and how she learned of every plot twist through the tabloids. That was um, the most upsetting to me. Like I actually didn't realize that I mean, I probably if I went back, it's uh, a little bit fuzzy at this point um, because it was so many years ago. But I feel like she found out about the heart attack through the tabloids. I mean, that's and then every time she tried to reach out, she just didn't hear back. I think that night she did hear back from her dad, but just a very curt and quick update. And I think, you know, I'm just so confused why. So like there was a car and a security team and a flight lined up and they were waiting outside for him and he just didn't go like just go to the car get in like everything else is figured out for you you literally just have to walk out the door that's what blows my mind like what I just don't get it it just I think that the upsetting part is how manipulated he was by the situation and if you're vulnerable to that there's not a lot that Harry and Meghan could do right and then when you think back to like you know how we just talked about Doria and the pictures of her going to the laundromat and then now this it's like her her mother and now her father 
both hounded by the media and both manipulated and, you know, just such an invasion of privacy that like, I don't, I feel like no other celebrity has really encountered before. Like family. I just don't think that that. Yeah. I don't know. I totally, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's, I mean, it's, it's a next level, the attention and the, you know, money that they could make off, you know, tabloids could make off this type of story. But I mean, I have to repeat it again. I can't sit up all night just pressing send. The fact that that was a quote from Megan that she supposedly told a friend on her wedding night, the night before she got married. I mean, to have to think that her mind was on that. I mean, obviously it would be. We all assumed that it was. Right. But she really was up until the end just really trying to reach her dad. It, that aspect of the book was very tough to read. So tough. So, so tough. Moving, all right. Moving next, on. Yep. next one. We're almost Number there. Four. We're making, a, we making are. our way Number through. Four or five. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Tiny little set. I don't know. Mm. Mm. It's going down easier. Oh, really? I just don't <laughs> think so. Oh, man. All right. So then we have... The Sandringham Summit, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I feel like the most information that I didn't previously know is in this excerpt, and that is of all of the timelines and information surrounding how Harry and Meghan wanted to leave the royal family and how they went about it and why – like, I, I kind of assumed, and I don't know if you agree with this, that um, Harry and Meghan – had talked to people before they released their website that detailed their leaving. And it just doesn't seem like that. Yeah, at I think all. the book really confirms that that was the big moment that blindsided the family was not the request. They were aware that they were like, oh, we're going to spend time and, you know, travel a little bit more, be um, in in America and Canada more. In Canada. Yeah. Um, and they were OK with that. But then once they got that okay, they were like, cool, here's SussexRoyal.com. And this is a really big, well, fully baked plan. Yeah. Yeah. And a fully big plan about how they can straddle both royal and non-royal life, which I think is where their their main misstep, I mean, to me, seems like it came from the fact that they thought they could be in the royal family, but be financially independent. And yeah. that just didn't, it did, just wasn't going to work. And it put the queen in a really bad position. I think that that yeah. was unfortunate, was that she was basically having to go on the defensive versus having conversations ahead of time and really understanding what their ask was. Exactly. Um, yeah, just say, seeing her reaction and being like, they are, you know, they will always be a part of my family, but they want to be their own family and all that. Like she, I think she just handled it with such grace. And I, I yeah, the do book think- said that too, that she comes out really looking great at the end of that. Everyone else doesn't. You know, everyone else looks like there's a lot of fighting and drama and the queen knew that that needed to be resolved quickly, but she does, does come out looking quite good. And Harry, to me, kind of looks like plays into more of the description that Omen offers up in one of the other excerpts that he is kind of, you know, sensitive and impulsive and so protective of Meghan and Archie. And I think that, you know, he just really wanted to make a life that was perfect for them. It was his decision to leave the family. It wasn't her. She wanted to make it work. She really wanted, you know, she had put in all this effort. She thought they could stick it out. And that's not what it seems like Harry wanted at all. He said, you know, I'm done with this basically is what it seems like. Yeah. This excerpt, I'm curious. So do you feel that they acted rashly with their move? You know, I feel like when you read this excerpt, yeah, it's hard not to think that based on even it how Omid and Carolyn present it. Yeah. I mean, I think that they, they had that vacation time away and then they came back really full throttle and caught everyone by surprise and and you know palace aides to the queen and her secretary were like you know she can't meet right now she can meet january 29th and they were like no we're not gonna wait we're not mm-hmm. gonna wait we'll surprise like they were gonna surprise her at one point with a, a surprise meeting to the with the queen and tell her their plans and then they were like 
I guess we can't do that. That would be it would cause too much, um, you know, uproar from whoever the men in gray suits. Um, so, yeah, I just think personally, I think that they did kind of dive head first. Yeah. Maybe if it if they had consulted more people, taken their time, it wouldn't have become such an explosive, you know, everyone caught off guard. The royal family issued a statement that was like, we're we're going over things. Let us, you know, whatever. So Yeah, I think that they had made up their minds. I think the unfortunate part is yes, you have the queen scheduled to contend with, but it does seem that they were very much the the palace was kind of like, now now we'll get to that. They were continually put off. So I can understand the frustration right. on that side, but it's like they just hit a boiling point. And they were done. Yeah. Should we move on to the or yeah. anything else from the section that you want to say? Or we had one quote. Oh, they yeah. thought they'd give Charles their rider, negotiate over email, rock up to London, give three months' notice, and fly back to Canada. And then it was. I like that all... summation because that's I think exactly their perspective. Yeah, and uh, just such how big of a deal was that Harry lost his military status? Like what a blow to him. I just feel like they did not expect that. Um, and I did really like that, you know, it really is apparent that Charles did try a lot to play peacemaker, but, to, you know, navigate all the different variables of their move, offering to continue to help pay for things. You know, yeah. I think he it was probably everyone trying, but William just seemed to feel just very hurt, not just angry, but very hurt. Yes, definitely. All right. Next. <laughs> last next shot or segment. no more? Last, Are we done? <laughs> last shot. We got to do it. We got to do it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. It is very good. My cheeks are red. It's not. Good. Oh, I'm, I'm just totally hot. red. I'm yeah, <laughs> it's this room is warm. <laughs> All right. So our last section is just uh, going to, into the credibility of Finding Freedom, the author interview in the Times. We already mentioned it. So the Sussexes spokesperson released a statement that said they did not give interviews for the book, um, but. As you, Bowie, astutely pointed out, they also didn't really dispute anything in the book either. Yeah, I think that that's the fascinating part is that they didn't go out, you know, usually if there were things that they really adamantly or vehemently disagreed with, they would refute those and they never did. But I love the interview that Omen and Carolyn gave with the Times. Roberta and I talked about this a lot because the reporter, props to the reporter that asked Omid about four or five times about whether or not an interview was done. Wait, can I read it? Yeah, read it. it. Read it. Okay, I'm going to read it. So he first asks, are Scobie and Duran's ultimate sources the Sussexes? Press rivals, after all, refer to an authorized biography. The Mail on Sundays claim the couple granted authors interview for the book before they left for their self-imposed exile. So did Omid and Carolyn have a sit down with Harry and Meghan? And Omid replies, the book doesn't claim to have any interviews with Harry and Meghan, and nor do we. But did he have them? There are no interviews with Harry and Meghan, Omid says. Was there perhaps an off-the-record talk? You've read the book. There's no on-the-record interviews with the couple, Omid says. Was there an off-the-record discussion with them? No, he says more quietly. And I think you can tell from the reporting, my time around the couple is enough for me to know my subjects. So they really go after him about (laughs) if he has talked to Harry and Meghan. And you kind of don't get a straight answer still until the very end when he said there is no off-the-record interview. There's no on-the-record interview with them. I'm still... But that was also like a masterclass in journalism for me. I want to take my page from that reporter. It's like, if you don't, you know, get... If they don't actually answer the question, keep asking. Really puts them on the spot. And they do the same thing with Carolyn Duran, too. They ask her multiple times, did you have an interview? And she says no. They don't claim to. But it's just so interesting, the level of detail. And I think that, you know, they've said they've talked to hundreds of sources, or at least I think they said over over 100 sources for this. And, and they were least, a member of the press corps, too. So they were really yeah. up close and personal as this all was playing out. 
Right. And at least two sources have confirmed what another source said. So they have done their due diligence and fact checking. And they got the idea for the book at the wedding. Like that was when they first decided to write the book. So they knew ahead Which of time. I was surprised yeah. by a long time ago, two years ago, that they've been cooking up this book. Yeah. So if they knew that far in advance, they could be, you know, note taking much with much more detail and kind of tuning into those things. Exactly. And, um, Lainey Gossip, one of our friends of the pod, said she is definitely not one of the sources. So, you know, the Daily Mail reported that she might be one of them. She said she's not. Um, I just thought that was funny because, you know, a lot of people are just so curious as to who all these sources are. I mean, I'm one of those people. I just feel like I need to know. I need to and know. It's just close. A lot of it is close friends, longtime friends, whatever. But if they were, yeah. we probably won't find out for years and years. I know. But Roberta, we did it. We got through. We did it. I mean, guys, this was hard. So please email us if you have things that we didn't talk about that you wish we had brought up as a big revelation. I feel like, as you know, this is going to be a, a general unfolding every week, week over week. We're going to have more about this because what is it, 12 days away? 12 days. And once the book comes out, I mean, we are fully doing all the deep dive into every, Pulling every an all nighter revelation. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It. Okay, moving on. But we're going to go quick. Through all of the other royal news, because the rest of the royal, I said everything else. It's a speed <laughs> round now. Okay, so Roberta, Queen Elizabeth's portrait unveiling via Zoom. The first time a royal portrait has been unveiled virtually, and I loved it. I loved it. I I thought the queen, like I thought she looked amazing in the portrait. What did you think? Yeah, I really liked it. I actually felt like it was, you know, the, it was almost like photographic level of detail. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool. I love that the queen actually pointed out a quirk of the of her portrait where there was a teacup, but there was no tea in it. <laughs> the fact that she mentioned that the was pretty funny that she to saw the that artist. Is am- yeah. Amazing. Amazing. But when you do watch the video, you actually feel kind of nervous for her reaction because it's, you know, it's always a little bit stilted when it's via a computer. So you're she's just waiting and then they remove the curtain and it's like, ah, I just felt the pressure for her <laughs> to have to to have to really, you know, go over the to top act of excitement. Like shocked and surprised. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. But though. the portrait took seven months to paint, apparently. Wow. That's and it pays tribute to her contribution to British diplomacy, having visited over a hundred countries throughout her reign. Yeah. Amazing. Really amazing. Um, okay, next up, Princess Beatrice is apparently on a honeymoon. Yay. I'm so glad that they're actually getting the chance. I mean, I hope you know obviously that they're taking all the precautions um but supposedly uh, they're on a mini moon in france yeah in the south of france they have bigger plans um for a honeymoon in august so they will do like i guess a full-out honeymoon although who knows i know Um, they're talking about that for next month i feel like things are still not looking good but a tourist was actually the one that spotted them driving a small car that was apparently really full of a lot of things so I don't know, like all their like luggage. Yeah, and, and Edda was driving. Trunks. I don't yeah. know, but it sounds That's very, so uh, very romantic. It does. And there's also a new picture from the wedding, which I loved. It's a different angle of them just walking out of the chapel with the archway of flowers, looking so happy. Um, and I just like the angle, and also that you can see someone inside the chapel, which you, it's hard to identify who that person is um one of the groomsmen yeah it's definitely a groomsman they seem similarly dressed to edo so like the color of their um vest i guess but yeah so i I love that 
and um, all the details that keep coming out. Yeah, I was going to mention there's also a really great article in the Telegraph that's worth reading about the role that Fergie played. Um, She was apparently the brains behind the whole reception and was given the task of having two weeks to pull the whole thing together. And she was like, let's get a bouncy castle. Let's get a jukebox. Let's get a dartboard. Let's get the glamping (laughs) pods. And she had this whole like bohemian vibe that she wanted to pull off. But apparently she is just like unstoppable was what the article kind of presents her as. So can Fergie be my wedding partner? I know, mother of the bride. uh, She did an amazing job in two weeks yeah. that, that's awesome okay next up Kate Middleton and Prince William are you proud of me we're moving right along you're you're doing amazing <laughs> I'm trying um, I'm trying to take a sip of my cocktail yeah do it do it um okay so Prince William and Kate Middleton their COVID relief fund so last week Kate and William announced that the Royal Foundation of the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge would donate 1.8 million pounds to 10 leading charities at the heart of mental health and frontline support during COVID they also tagged the 10 charities that would benefit. And I I feel like that's a page out of Harry and Meghan's book. Yes, definitely. How they follow the charities of the month and did all of those, um, you know, spotlights on a certain charity that they loved. I also just love Kate's vibe in these in this. It, the white dress is stunning. It's like a white shirt dress. She looks amazing. Her hair looks great. We always talk about Kate's hair, but it really does look really wonderful. They coordinated outfits. Um, just everything about this. It is interesting that this announcement came out really almost right after the Republic anti-monarchy kind of spotlight on where is the money going from the Royal Foundation. And then all of a sudden they announced they donated two million pounds. It's like, okay, the timing is impeccable and everything is well thought out. And I think that they, you know, they're really showing (laughs) this anti-monarchy group that look like, this is where the everything money is, is above board. Yeah, right. Totally. Exactly. Totally. Okay. William did a voiceover also this week for Mentally Healthy Football, which was a huge accomplishment. We need to really spend some time on that because this campaign is all about mental health and football and creates a team approach to prioritizing mental and not just physical health. We're going to play a quick clip from that. Football is a team sport. And for the first time, there is a collective game plan to make mental health a top priority within the game. This means building on the important work that is already happening and rolling out further efforts across the system to develop mentally healthy clubs at every level so that the whole football community can benefit from a mentally healthy environment. I just really like this, but we have to call out that this is William's first attempt at voiceover work. You know, Kate and Megan have both done it and William is stepping up. William did it for football. Kate did it for Wimbledon. This couple is so sporty. I love that David Beckham was on the call, among others. Uh, oh, is that separate? No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, no, David Beckham was on a separate call where he talked about the accomplishment. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this right. is okay. all, all together. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and also that David Beckham is not as... I just feel like Prince William is so well-spoken and so used to these Zoom calls and Zoom engagements that he's got it. Like, we always say this, but the royals have it down pat with these. And it, they're so natural and nothing is awkward ever. And I just feel like David Beckham was a little awkward. I don't know. That might have just been me. So there's a joke. You have to go to the royal family's YouTube channel and watch the whole thing. But David Beckham is incredibly dressed up for this talk. And I just yeah, love wearing these sort of, um, you know. The professionalism that he brings, not that nobody else did, but it's just he really took it seriously and also is very adorable in his interactions with William. I always look at David Beckham as slightly intimidating for some. He's such a fashion Same. icon. I think that's what, yeah, that's that's what threw me off is that he wasn't that intimidating. He was that's so sweet and was. adorable and it made me just want to hear from him more. I like the friendship. I'm pretty sure he's friends with Harry, too. Is that wrong or? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's a friend of the Royals. They love their football players. Yeah. You know. 
But yeah, William, everyone's out and about. But last but not least, we just want to globally talk about the Cambridge's social media account because there's a lot going on. Roberta scouted this. They have 12 million followers, people. And that is actually astronomical because so pre-COVID, they were at, I think, 11.3 million. I would need to double check that, but around 11.3. So they've amassed more than 700,000 new followers in just the five months since. I mean, it makes sense to me only because they've just been living their lives on social media. So if you want yeah. any news about Kate and William, you have to go to their Instagram account. But well, I also think paparazzi too. There's not a lot of paparazzi shots of them out and about. So it's like the all need the baby, to see all the birthday exactly, pics. Exactly. This we talked about spring is the time for royals and all of the information was coming from them. And also that Sussex Royal is not active. Yeah. And you know the Sussex sisters aren't on social media anymore. And so the only way to get like your real royal fix seems to be to follow the Cambridges. And so yeah. it's actually kind of amazing because last week even we talked about it, they were at 11.8 or 11.9 million. They gained like over 100,000 people in the last week. It's amazing. I mean, maybe it's their fancy Instagram flourishes, Roberta. And they have, they just posted a cryptic like post of some Today. food and takeout dishes. And then they have, you know, the time-lapse video. Yeah, it was um, like coming soon was the post. Was What yeah. does that mean? They are getting so fancy. And I think that it's really paying off. And it'll just be interesting to see. I love when people like the New York Times article that did a deep dive on their social media presence. That's so interesting to me. We might need um, a follow-up from the New York Times. Yeah, seriously. I think we do. I think we need an update. All right. So now our highs and lows before we adjourn the royal pod it's time for the royal highs and lows my low is the sussex privacy suit so another lawsuit for the sussexes they're now involved in i think three one for the associated newspapers one for harry and the sun and then now this one which is an invasion of privacy suit filed against someone who's been taking drone photos of 14 months just 14 month old baby archie i feel so terrible for them this is awful um legal docs filed by one of their lawyers michael kump who also fun fact reps the kardashians and jenners revealed that paparazzi have flown drones and helicopters above their la home and cut holes in the security fences the sad part is that they don't know who this is. So the privacy suit is filed against John Doe and a hundred other John Doe's, and they're just hoping to get more information about it. But just that's so ugh. upsetting. Their baby. I just feel bad. Yeah, it's not okay. I feel really protective of Archie. I feel protective of all of them. I totally agree. Um, Milo is finding freedom related. Basically, it's the revelation from from Rebecca English of the Daily Mail that the Sussexes may never return to the royal family trial period or not after this book comes out. I don't know if I agree with it. I guess, and maybe we already knew because I think Harry has didn't even want the trial period. We've that, since that's found what I was out. Say, yeah, that excerpt included that Harry, yeah, didn't want it at all. He He's didn't think very it was confident. Yeah. yeah, but I think I always have this I hope in the back of my mind that a hybrid model is possible or would happen. Maybe I'm being naive but a little bit of a low to see that on Twitter definitely low um, but my high kind of piggybacking off what you said about the Chato boys is that James <laughs> Middleton is truly the best follow follow on Instagram I am so happy about this family portrait so his delayed wedding because of COVID cannot stop Kate and Pippa's brother from taking the cutest family portrait with his fiance Elise and their 11 dogs 11. so also I want to pinpoint that James Middleton is a poet. He wrote a poem as the caption of this post, and it talks about poo. It talks about half-eaten socks. The reason he posted this because they're actually um, the people are adopting these six puppies that um, 
that one of his dogs just had. And so, and all of the money is going to a charity of his. And so I think that that's really sweet for pet therapy. So it's hard. It's impossible not to love him. It truly is. It's such a lovely portrait of them. And also there's a video at the end of the carousel that you guys have to watch. It looks like a magazine photo shoot. Like he's playing with these dogs. It is truly the best thing if you need something to brighten your day. Watch yeah, watch it, it on repeat. Yeah. <laughs> My high, Roberta, is major, major. Camilla wore a mask. <laughs> after we've talked like... about it for so long. So long, she, she heard us. Um, okay, after 111, 111 days of being closed, the National Gallery opened its doors again this week and Camilla marked the occasion with a visit, but that's not all. She wore a mask on her walk there and she socially distanced and kept her mask on even inside and everyone there wore personal protective equipment. It was so powerful to see that photo for me. And it was such a fancy mask. Yes, yeah, so fancy. Liberty of London print mask in a peacock print. And it costs 75 pounds. It's very royal. Very mask. royal. I feel like it's like setting off what I was really hoping for. And I think that's part of my high is that we can now replicate the royals mask fashion. I'm all in on that. I will definitely buy it. <laughs> yes. It sets the precedent for royal mask fashion very high. Now very I'm high. excited to see if anyone else follows suit. I hope Kate wears a mask. I hope, I hope Kate outfit. does too. There's also a style tip that I think that Camilla, you know, setting the bar even higher, she paired her mask with a striking turtle brooch. And I was like, oh, I like that little combination, the peacock, the turtle fashion, you know, t- or not turtle fashion, but turtle brooch. Um, it was I a very it. I big it. moment for me. I was so thrilled. And you know what I thought? It's it's good that it hides her identity. Like she couldn't have just walked down the street like that. But I just feel like now that they, you know, kind of have to wear masks in public places, it really is helpful for them in maintaining some level of privacy. I mean, totally. Chris Jackson shot the photos and obviously he knew who she was and she walked down the street. But there's so many people around her. No one notices that she's yeah. who she is. You can fly under the radar a little bit easier. Exactly. Another selling point of masks. Yeah. Wear your masks. <laughs> Wear your mask. <laughs> so just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Here is a real review from Mara Likes Coffee. Really enjoy the new hosts and energy they bring to the pod, along with their more balanced opinions than most reports. Would appreciate if they did more anti-racism work and pointing out the hypocrisy of the British royal family. Definitely hear you, Mara. It's definitely a focus of ours going forward. And all of the Finding Freedom revelations and Megan, it's just everything is, is coming to light. So yeah, we really appreciate that feedback. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and the Facebook group Royally Obsessed and email us at info at gallerypodcast.com. You can follow us personally on Instagram. I'm at Robbie Frito. And I'm at RKBNYC. Until next week. God, God save, save the pod. The pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.